Well, while I'm doing this, I want to thank everybody um, for all your prayers for me. I'm, I'm riding upon them. Only, only the Lord can, can heal. And we look forward uh, to seeing what he will yet do. But I'm really thankful um, to be able to bring the word of God to you this morning um, with his with his help. Let me get everything arranged. Here's something that maybe you haven't thought about. I've been giving it some thought. I wonder, how do you know anything? How do you, um, how do you come to find out about anything? What is it based upon? If you, if you just think about it for a moment, it's based upon what someone has told you. It is based upon a testimony. It's a testimony um, either that you read it in a book somewhere. It's a testimony uh, that you were taught while you were in school. It's something that's been told to you, and you rely upon the source from which it has come. You know everything. I can say this um, in a certain way I can say, and I think you'll agree with me. You know everything because someone has testified to you about it, either a historian or a teacher or a friend, or you have testified to yourself about it. You have investigated a thing, and you draw conclusions concerning it. And so everything, in a certain sense, all the knowledge and all that you have and all that you believe is based upon some form of testimony. And that's what we have. Well, how, how do you really believe something then? How do you feel sure of it? Well, it's... It's because it's well established by what we could call a contemporary consensus. Everyone agrees about it. Um, it's, it's, it's well established when the events took place, whatever it was, when they took place, they took place in the presence of witnesses. And everything was confirmed and things were written down and things were established and the generation who was living during that time accepted it. And it became history. It, it became fact. It became a scientific discovery. It became an invention. Whatever it was, it's, it's because of a testimony. And so eventually all of the testimonies that we hold dear, all the things that we believe, all of them, to a certain extent, they are popular, they are dominant, they are universal, they have an enduring embrace. You hang on to all of them. How do you know, for example, how do you know that Socrates ever lived? How do you know? He was born in 469 B.C. and he died in 399. How do you know that? How do you know that he was poisoned while he was in prison? He, he was born 400 years before Christ. How do you know that? Does anybody doubt that there was a Socrates or that Plato, born in 428 B.C., 
was his star student, most notable student. Does anybody say, I don't really think there was a Socrates or a, or a, a, a Plato or an, or an Aristotle? Aristotle, there are all, all these Greek guys that um, made wonderful contributions uh, to humanity. Aristotle was noted for mathematics and, 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 and science. But how do you know any of these things? How do you know that Julius Caesar ever lived? How do you know that Adolf Hitler was the author of a Holocaust? How do you know that? Why are you so sure of that? It's based on testimony. It's based on what somebody else told you, what was written, somebody who was there present that was accepted at that time, universally embraced, put into the history book. That's how you know it. How do you know there was George Washington, the first president? Will anybody here say George Washington was not the first president of the United States? If you're old enough, how do you know anything about John F. Kennedy? I had fun with that in Sunday school class one time. Where were you when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? A lot of you weren't even born. I understand that. I was in the fourth grade, but I remember it. And all of you remember where you were, too. But it's based upon what you heard on the radio then. It's based upon a report. You know that John Kennedy is no longer living. You're sure of that. The two greatest world religions, Christianity and the world of Islam, universally testify. They all believe in Jesus. They have a different place for him, but those religions will not argue about it. Jesus lived. Jesus died. One says he was a prophet. One says he's the savior of the world. One believes a testimony of their own invention. The other believes in a divine revelation, a different testimony. And so it's okay then. It's okay. It's okay right now if you do not believe the testimony of the word of God. You don't have to. But it will not change the truthfulness of the testimony. It is not dependent upon your approval. It is not de- dependent upon your belief. It doesn't need you in any way. You need it. You don't have to believe it, but I'm going to give you the testimony of, of the word of God. There is a truth that is outside of you that is not dependent upon you believing it or not. The truth exists apart from you. And the truth that John DeVito read the account in Matthew 28 and the truths expressed in Pastor Mark's prayer, every Christian believes all of them. You don't have to. I want you to, but you don't have to. They're still true. It stands apart from you. So here's a simple outline this morning from the Word of God that, that I would like to bring you. Let me put this back. Oh, yeah, that's fine now. This is... This is uh, this is our first slide. You'll be able to see up here, and, and you'll have the page number if you want to look it up in the Pew Bible, the ESV Bible. But I've got so many scriptures that, that I thought it would be easier if I put them up here for you. Here's our outline. The empty tomb and the fourth. The resurrection was promised. It was performed. It is proven. 
is precious. And it is being proclaimed. That's our outline. This is what I want to show you. In the Gospel of Mark, just staying here, what did Jesus say? What was Jesus three times he promised them? He said to them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests. Wow. The godliest man that ever lived was going to be rejected by the religious hierarchy. What an oxymoron. What a contradiction. The chief priests and and the scribes, and Jesus says, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. I promise you this is going to happen. And that did happen. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. The Creator is going to come into the hands of men. He's going to place himself there, and they will kill him. They will kill the one through whom they were made. And when he is killed, he says, after three days, he will rise. The resurrection was prophesied. It was predicted. It was promised by Jesus Christ himself. That is his testimony. He says, and they will mock him. And they will spit on him. And flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. He promised all of this. He could predict it all. He could prophesy it all. It all happened exactly as he said. It's fully testified to. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. This is one of the most precious passages to me that that, uh, came home um, when we were preaching through the Gospel of Mark. And I remember Pastor Mark showing me something I'd never noticed before. It's right here. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That happened. He predicted that. He knew it was going to happen. He was sure of it. He could say it. He could say, hang your hat on this. Look what he says just before Peter is going to deny him three times. He's going to tell him what he's going to do, and, and Peter's going to, to, to resist it completely and affirm his faithfulness. What does Jesus say? But after I am raised, I will go, I will go before you to Galilee. This is all going to happen, but I'll see you. I'll see you around. Nos vemos in tres días. I'll see you in three days. I don't care what you do. I don't care how far you run. I don't care how scared you are. I'll see you in three days. I, I, love, I love his faithfulness in, in, in the midst of known rebellion and abandonment. It, it was not just Judas. It was not just Peter's denial. It was all of them were going to deny him in a sense by not being with him and running from him and abandoning him. But he says, I'll go before you in, in to Galilee. I will see you there. So, so he promised that. And he was going to do... Exactly as he said. Jesus says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority. I promise you, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This is the commandment that I received from my Father. He's sure of it. Nobody could kill Christ. I don't care how you think about it. He could always escape whatever would kill him. He could always prevent whatever would kill him. If a crowd wanted to throw him off a cliff, he could pass through their midst. If he wanted to come down from the cross, he could have. He did not do that. If he wanted to avoid the whole thing, he could do it. Can he stop a bullet? He can. Can he avoid decapitation? He can. Nobody could take his life. He had to lay it down, and that's the commandment he received, and that's why his father loved him. But he promised that he would take it up again. And so it was performed. The, the, ladies, the ladies came uh, to the tomb not expecting him to be resurrected. The two Marys came. They came with spices to anoint his body. He wasn't there. They thought he would be there. The bold, courageous ladies, the fearless ones, the first to come. What a rebuke to us men, to to our gender. The first to come were the weaker gender. The ones who came whose, whose... whose testimony wasn't worth anything. It was not admissible in court. They came. How do you know that God wrote this book? Because he puts crazy things in there like that. That's what he puts in there. And, and they came. They're the first to come. The testimony of women. We listen to them. We believe them. They did not believe them entirely then, but it was performed. What did the angel say in Mark's gospel? He said, do not be alarmed. He knew all about them. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Why are you coming here? He's not here. See, look, look, look the place where they have laid him. Go and tell his disciples. I love this. And Peter. That's who I am. I am Peter. I am the converted Catholic. I am the one who did not believe. I am the one who who denied him. Go tell Peter. He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Just as he told you. The proof, the proof is the empty tomb. The, the proof is that you'll find him there, and they did. He, he appeared to them. They found him, and they saw him. They could handle him. It's a famous painting. I wanted to show you the, the anticipation. If you can see it a little bit, you can see this is, this is Peter and John. They're going to the tomb after the ladies have already reported, and they got to check it out for themselves. And one gets there a little sooner than the other. Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to, to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. 
Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head. This is his witness. This is his testimony. He saw this before and he sees it now. Not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place by itself. You believe that they cried, Heil Hitler? I believe, I believe what this writer says. I believe that this happened. I believe it on the same basis. I believe it on this testimony. And the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And when he saw, he saw the empty tomb. He saw the cloths. When, when he saw, and he saw, and he believed. That is what I want everyone here to do, is to see and to know on the testimony of God's word, the tomb is empty. Believe. Believe in that risen Savior. We'll talk more about this. He believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture. This was totally new for them. They were as skeptical and as incredulous and as unbelieving and as unprepared. They had no excuse for it because he promised it. And he told them in the Gospel of Mark, he told them three times. And they got the report of an angel from the two Marys. But they didn't understand. They couldn't process it. But they believed. For up until that point, as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. One writer said this. It so blesses my heart. This, um, this uh, Scotty Smith, heavenward. He said that you could more easily keep the sun from rising than to keep Jesus in the tomb. Try it. It's easier right now. It's easier to keep the sun from coming up tomorrow than it would be to keep Jesus in the tomb. It is impossible that that could have ever happened. And so we have this empty tomb, And it's proven because it's empty, because no one could find him. We could talk about Thomas. We could talk about that skeptic man who is in all of us. If if I could just see him, I've got to see him. I've got to put my hand into his wounds. And Jesus condescended, and on his second appearance uh, among the eleven, he allowed him to do that. But what did he say? What did he say about Thomas's faith? He says, blessed are you because you have seen and you believe. But more blessed are those who haven't seen and yet they believe. All of you who know Jesus, we're all more blessed because we believe. We believe in that risen Savior. Praise God. But here... Here's the best text, I think, Uh, if I could just choose one. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, for I delivered to you, and and this is where the title of, of that wonderful series that I try to send out from time to time, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, Paul's testimony, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. The Bible teaches us. The Old Testament predicted it as well. 
that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according with the scriptures, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. The testimony is so strong that whoever was hearing him, whoever read what he wrote at that time, he said this. Most of them are still alive. Ask them. I dare you. Ask them. When we were boys, we talked like that. And that, 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 that I double dare you. Go and talk to any of these 500, most of which are still alive, but some have died. Some have fallen asleep. And then he says, talk to me. Talk to me. Last of all, as to the one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Receive the testimony. Receive the fact of it. Receive the proof of it. (laughs) Because it is established well. Romans 1.4 tells us something of how precious it was. We've seen that it, that, that, that it was promised, that it's proven, that, that, that it was performed, and that it's proven. What makes it so precious? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it in the songs. I'm hearing it in the prayers. I'm hearing it in, in the scriptures just read. But here, here are these precious results of it. Romans 1.4 says, and he was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, you don't have to doubt it. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And the story that was read to us about a bribe to fabricate something else. To say the, the, the disciples stole him away, to pay people to say that. What an absurdity that is. This, that tomb was, was kept secure by Roman guards. The disciples had no inclination to go there at all. All that came three days later were some women. They were scared to death. You want to believe a story like that? It's irrational. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. This was the Son of God. His resurrection declares it. Secondly, his sacrifice assures us that God was completely satisfied with what he did. Romans 4.25 just simply says that he who was delivered up for our trespasses, that he was raised and raised for our justification. We are fully justified, fully forgiven, fully accounted righteous because he lived this perfect life. He verified what he did by the miracles that, that, that he worked and the words that he spoke. He sealed it with his death. He took the wrath of God on, on, on behalf of sinners. He was the only substitute. And when he, was it enough? Was it enough when he was on the cross? Was it was the scourging enough? Was the spitting enough? Was the piercing enough? Was the suffering enough? Was the abandonment enough? Was it enough? He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 
es bastante. It is enough. We have the assurance of total victory over death because of his resurrection. First uh, Corinthians fifteen twenty says, but in in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This this makes all the difference in the world. It all changes for those who believe. We know as sure as we know anything in this world that when we die, we will be raised up again because we are united to our Savior. We know it. You can't take it away from us. We don't doubt it. We're not afraid of dying. We, we may be afraid of the death process, but we're not afraid of being dead. Be glad to be dead. If, I'm, if I can be united to Christ. And, and that is what his resurrection means. And lastly, it's precious because now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all, to anyone who will believe. You, you don't believe it? It still happened. This assurance, by raising him from the dead, the judge that you will face one day, sure than the sun is going to come up tomorrow, it will be Jesus Christ. He said it before he died, you'll see the Son of Man coming with the clouds. They said he blasphemed. He told the truth. Living truth was standing be be before the high priest. The high priest could not recognize the antitype. He could not recognize the true high priest. They wanted to find him guilty of blasphemy, and, and, and they wanted to make him look out as if he was a traitor, that he was a seditionist, that he was committing treason. This is the one who's coming back. This is the judge of all the earth. He's coming back. He's, he's been raised from the dead. And all the evils and all the injustices and all the things that trouble you that are on the news, all of those things, all of those things that break our hearts and make us weep for the suffering that's here, it will all come to an end. Nobody got away with anything. Everyone will be judged by the man who walked on this earth, who lived and died, and was raised from the dead. I praise God. I have such comfort from that, that he'll make everything right. And the only reason I'm not doing wrong is because he changed me. But I'm on his side, aren't you? Be on his side. Get on Christ's side. Get away from the world. Get on his side. That's where you belong. That's the best side. That's the only side to be on. The whole other side is going to perish. Get with the only Savior. He's coming to judge the living and the dead. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. The Father raised him. The Holy Spirit raised him. He raised himself, whom you killed. This, this is the testimony. Whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as a leader and a savior. What's he doing at the right hand of God? He's doing this marvelous work, this merciful work. It says to grant repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses. This is our testimony. 
We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. See, here's the problem. I cannot give you enough evidence to convince you of any of these things, because you lack something. There is something that you do not have if you do not believe these scriptures and what I've been saying to you. What is lacking is you you do not have the Holy Spirit. I can give you proofs, proof after proof, that this book that God has given us is the Word of God. I can do that. I can tell you that the Jews, why are the Jews still here? Why is there a Jewish nation right now? Ask a Jew. Ask a Jew to give you some other history than what the Old Testament holds for a Jew. Ask a Jew to tell you that his great-great-grandfather is not Abraham. Ask one. How did, how, why, why are the Jews here now? How did they get to Israel? It is the story of the book. It's this book. This, the Old Testament was done 400 years before Christ came. They believe it. They're not even believers. The Jews are scrupulous. They are persnickety, but they believe the Old Testament. All the chronologies are right. All the genealogies are right. All the names of the prophets are right. All the events are right. It's their history. God parted the Red Sea. And they came. They crossed the Jordan. They they got into Israel. Has anybody ever manufactured another story about the Jews? you got the evidence right here before you. They're living today. They can trace themselves back that far. Well, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. That is what you lack. Here's what I want to give you is, is the evidence that's here right now. I was speaking of, of, of the Jews. Here's our evidence right here. What does that say? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And I give eternal life. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. They're in the Father's hand too. Anybody who is a Christian has heard the voice of Jesus Christ. We have heard it. We've not heard it with our ears. But we have heard it better than with our ears. We have heard it in our hearts. And there's nobody here who has not heard the voice of Christ who is a Christian. That's why you follow him. That's why he's your savior. That's the testimony. If there's a lost person here that wants to know, is Jesus alive? He's alive. He's alive. Because we hear his voice and we follow him. We'll testify to that. He's alive. He's really alive. You've got to believe that the Savior that we have is alive today. And I want to tell you something. The church is not in retreat. The church has never been bigger than it is right now. It's advancing That mustard seed is growing into a tree that the birds of the air can nest and there's shade under it. It's never retreating. 
The gospel is going to the four corners of the world. Explain the church to me. Tell me why there's a church. Why is the church of Jesus Christ here on earth? Because he lives. And it's been growing ever since he was here. It it caught fire all through the book of Acts. Thousands were saved. It's been advancing and advancing and advancing down to this very day. Tell me that Jesus isn't alive. You can't do it. The testimony is all around you. What does B.C. mean? All of time is marked by Jesus Christ. B.C., not because. Before Christ. What does A.D. mean? That's on some currency. Anno Domini. In the year of our Lord. What? What is this with Sunday? I've got everybody's conscience. Every single one. What is it about Sunday that is different from all the other days of the week? It's worldwide. What is this fascination with it? Why why is this such a special thing? What Sunday, Sunday, what has Sunday got to do with anything? Why Sunday? What's wrong with Tuesday? What about Wednesday? What is it? I'm 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 told by my brother uh Pastor Jonathan that 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 in the in the world of Islam Ah, it's not going to be Sunday for them. It's not going to be Saturday either because the Jews got Saturday. It's Friday. Friday is their day. But what do they do? Just prove the point. Prove, prove, don't make it Sunday. Avoid the one that's on your conscience and on your heart that, that, that you, just, you, you can't get away from it. There's something about Sunday. And it's, it's nebulous. For some of you, but for us, but for us, it's always the day. It's the day that Christ rose from the dead. Didn't you love that video, Friday, 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 but Sunday's coming. It comes every week, and, and it, it, it's a time of celebration always for us. I got away from my outline. I, okay. Let's, let's go to the right one. Okay. He is the one who has ascended far above all the heavens. Here's another evidence. It's all about the church. He is the one who has ascended above the heavens, and he gave apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Where, where did your pastors come from? Where did you how did how did, how did they become it? I want to tell you something. I want you to know something. I I want to tell you what I was. And you see me standing here. I never dreamed of being here. I was a pot smoker. I was a womanizer. I was a drunkard. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was a proud man. I was a worldly man. A godless man. I was a Roman Catholic going through the motions. That's what I was. How can I be standing here? There's a risen Christ. 
I've heard his voice here in my heart, and you can have it too. Listen, listen, you have got, if you're not in Christ, you have a massive problem with your sins. It is enormous. It's huge. You cannot get rid of it. You can't deal with it in any other way but in Jesus Christ. And this Savior's arms are wide open to you. Receive him. Believe in him now. Stop deciding not to do something about it. Stop refusing. You can do it. You can believe right now. Say, I want the Savior that that man is proclaiming. I want the Savior that's in this book. I want the risen Savior who lived and died for sinners. You can have him. Come with us. Come on. Come with us. We are going to heaven. We are destined for another place. That's where we want to go. And that's what Heritage Baptist Church is all about. The expositional preaching of of the Word of God. That's why we're here is because Christ reigns. Because Christ is walking among the candlesticks of his church. Christ is ruling. Christ is giving gifts. Christ is empowering us. Christ is blessing us. It's the only reason for the church to be on earth. Why hasn't it been wiped out? Why will we not be defeated by the Islamic world? Why, why have every attempt to snuff the church out? Why, why are there martyrs? Why in India, the, the radical Hindus, I heard this report from Mark Dever in, in, in a sermon. He said there, they, the, They lined up some Indian Christians. They laid them on the ground and and demanded that that they renounce Christ. They broke their legs. They smashed their legs with two-by-fours and bars and said, Recant. Renounce him. They would not do it. They won't do it. How do you account for people dying and 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 imprisonment and in torture and 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 in estrangement from their families <laughs> how do you account for it jesus lives jesus jesus is the savior and 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 you i don't have enough evidence for you you know i i cannot give you enough evidence john devito read this this morning now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. Some doubted. There will never be enough evidence to, to convince you. There's not enough. He's standing there alive. They worshipped him. Some doubted. It's not really Jesus. This is a hallucination. It's not really here. You see how irrational sin is. It, it makes you crazy. 
It makes you self-destructive. It hurts you. It harms you. It keeps you from God. It keeps you from all the happiness and all the joy that believers have. You exclude yourself from all of that. You don't have to do that. You do not have to do that. So, I beg you. I beg you. I plead with you in the name of Jesus. I beg you to come to the Savior. If it's not disrespectful, just say this. I dare you. I dare you to call upon the name of the Lord. I double dare you. Call upon his name and see, and see out of true repentance and true faith. Tell him you want him and that you need him. And you must have a payment, and he's the only one who can pay for your sins. Tell him you're going to hell if he doesn't save you. Call upon his name and ask him to change you forever and to give you whatever you lack. You say, I can't repent. God, give me repentance. I can't believe. God, make me believe. I want to believe. You can be saved if you will be saved. You must be made willing. Pay no attention to the evidence. It's not going to help. Pay attention to the word of God. It's all you need. May God help us. May God bless you today. And may you embrace that Savior who lives and whom we love above all things. May he be yours. I ask it in Jesus' name. May you have him. Amen.